Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. All right, we are kicking off a new series called The Living Room. As you can tell by our decoration, I know all of you have this many Edison bulbs in your living rooms at home. Right? Uh, some of you are going to have to go shopping because you're like, I really like those. Uh, but we have these, uh, this whole mentality, this bumper video, uh, all these sitcoms of maybe growing up, uh, there's memories attached to those, right? There's scenes that you have of I Love Lucy playing in your head now that you're like, mm-hmm, that happened, and it happened in the living room, a full house. Uh, it happened in the living room of growing pains. It happened in the living room, right? And then so, and where did you consume that? You, you consume that probably in your living room. Uh, if you're starting to see a theme, good, okay? <laughs> these, these moments that we are talking about are these moments of, of kind of community. They're, they're moments of shared moments of when we, uh, we had our heart broken with Michael Seaver. Like we had, we saw the stupid things that Jerry Seinfeld did, and like we 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 participated. We were we were in the laugh track, if you will, of those shows. And through this time, through this moment, in being half in person, half online, about a third of our churches is participating um, in the two services that we're offering right now, and the rest of you guys are online, probably in your living room. Right, and so we're kind of doing the same thing—the shared community experience. That's that's very interesting. And so instead of kind of seeing that as a problem, we want to jump into it as an opportunity and kind of just call it what it is and step into it. There's a moment in the Bible where it kind of feels like one of the apostles is longing to be in the living room of the people he's writing. He's dealing with some deep things, some heartbreak, some frustrations. And as he deals with those, he kind of invites the people he's writing into his heart, into his mind, to really, he bears his soul to them because he just needs community so bad. And so that's where we're going in that. And that book of the Bible is called Philippians. And it's a small book of the Bible. is written by the apostle Paul. And we're going to be delving into that for the next seven weeks. Now, we're not going line by line. We'd be in Philippians for a long, 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 long time if I did that. But we are going to be doing a pretty decently thorough job of looking at Philippians. But we're going to take seven different topics that come up in Philippians and look at how Paul is kind of bearing his soul to these guys or to this church, these men and women, to these deacons and deaconesses, if you will. Um, and they, uh, this is very, very, very important into how we see Paul and how we read this. Um, so each different one of our topics is going to kind of talk about a different thing that you and I and Paul dealt with and that they deal with in Philippians. This ranges from friendships to anxiety. This, I, the whole gamut from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. That's what Philippians deals with. What does it look like when you get to peel back the layers of, of Paul's life and look at his heart in, in a really difficult situation. Um, and that's, I think that's really, really applicable to who we are and where we're at in this moment. And also, uh, it's always, for me, to see Paul maybe more human than this, he was an apostle, he wrote, you know, a third of the New Testament, he's, blah, 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 blah. he's this guy. No, he's vulnerable 
and authentic, and he needed friends too. And this, this is where we find him in Philippians. All right, so turn to your Bibles in Philippians chapter 1. If you need a challenge, I would urge you to read the book of Philippians through it's, uh, each week for the next seven weeks. You're like, whoa, it's four chapters, folks. You can do it. Uh, you know, read, read the whole book each week for seven weeks and just see how things will start jumping off the pages at you. Uh, as you delve into this book of the Bible. It's one of my favorites. It's my favorite book of the Bible that's not a gospel about Jesus. Um, it, it is. I, I just fell in love with this, this book and all the, the truths that it has for you. Today we're going to talk about friendships. Today we're talking about friendships. What does this look like? How do we have God-honoring friendships? What does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, if we're honest with ourselves, some of our friendships are pretty surface level. We are more acquaintances with lots of people than we are deep friends with, with people. Um, some of you can make friends with a tree, and like you, you, you make friends with everybody. Others, it's like friends are few and far between. Like when I find one, I latch on, and I'm, you're not lo- losing me. Uh, we're friends. And others like, oh, yeah, friends, friends, friends. It's just the, how we're wired, different personalities, all, all these things. Uh, but Paul seems to be someone who kind of struggles to make deep friendships. I think Paul struggles to make deep friendships because he's kind of a force of nature personality. You either hate Paul or you love Paul. There's not people who are like, eh, I'm indifferent to Paul. No, you fell in one of the two camps. Because he's a whirlwind. If you read him in Acts, he's so bullheaded. He's so, whoa, like this is just, he just goes. And you either are blown away by that and you, or you're sucked up into the vacuum that, that, that goes away. You know people in your life like that. They just, they're a fast train, and if you catch on, you love the ride, or you got hit by the train and you don't like to be there anyway, and you got scars to prove it. And Paul seems to be kind of one of these personalities. And so when he's writing the church in Philippi, it's interesting to note how vulnerable he is with them and how comfortable he feels with them. Now, Paul is the church of Philippi's um, founder. He's kind of like everybody's godfather in the church. Like everyone knows, yeah, Paul started this church. We love him. We, he, uh, all, there's a relationship, a rapport built there. But he doesn't treat them as little like children. He treats them as equals or even better than him in this moment. The context of writing Philippians is uh, Philipp- Paul is in under house arrest. So we don't know the context or how bad house arrest was in Roman time or how much Paul was, was struggling in this. But it seemed to be that you kind of, house arrest was, we're going to put you in this spot. You can have visitors, but you can't leave. But also, um, you have to buy your own food, or you have to have your own food brought to you. So, or you could bribe us, and then we'll go get your food for you. So this is the, the content, the, how they had this. It also really helps with prison overcrowding, right? So this, this is kind of a weird system they had going on here, but they're really waiting for Paul to bribe the officials above him so he can get released. Well, Paul has no interest in bribing the officials ahead of him and getting out. He's converting all the, the, uh, the sheriffs, or if you will, uh, the jailers that come to his house. He starts converting them to, to, to Christianity. So why would he go somewhere else? Everybody, everybody's coming to me to get, to get Jesus. Um, but the problem is he's kind of probably starving uh, at this time because he's not bribing people. Well, the Church of Philippi had gotten together and sent him a care package. And it seems like the whole book of Philippians is a response to this care package. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
this jar of peanuts is amazing. You know, whatever it was, uh, if you've ever gotten a, you know, if you went to college and your parents sent you a care package and they had you know, candy bars and whatnot, you instantly became the most popular person on the floor when mom sent a, a dozen cookies. And you're like, back off. These are my cookies. Uh, this is, but that's what Paul is, is dealing with at this time. All right. Uh, our truth that we're going to explore today is, is the sentence and kind of wraps everything else that we're talking about. Humility, honesty, and humor honor friendships. Got real excited with H's. Humility, honesty, and humor honor friendships. And Paul shows all all of these, uh, I think, in Philippians. Uh, Maybe a little less humor, but I had to throw that one in there. Um, And you'll see why in a second. Humility, honesty, and humor. Philippians 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, uh, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this may not seem important to you, but the very first verse, when he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, he's basically using the word uh, doulos, which is bondservant or slave of Jesus. That's how he introduces himself. Now, this is unique because this is the only time in the introductions of any of Paul's letters that he does not refer to himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul is not interested in explaining his authority in this moment. He's actually talking about how um, humble he is in this moment. He's explaining his humility because he recognizes the deacons and the elders of the church of Philippi, not his apostleship. Because the, the, the hierarchy would be, hey, do what I say. I'm the apostle. You're the elder. You're the deacon. You're the church people. Whatever. Do what I'm talking about. He comes. This slave comes to you, elders and deacons. You, you see the, the switch in that? This is the only time he does that. I think that's really interesting. He comes at it because he's probably in a place of humility of, hey, thanks for the food. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for being my, the people who care about me in this moment. But it's, it's this beautiful thing. And I think in friendships, humility is incredibly, incredibly important into how we uh, gauge our friendships. Humility is incredibly important to how we develop our friendships when we don't think we're better than everybody else in the room. Uh, some of us fall into the trap of we, we gauge friendships on what they can give you. Can I leverage this for my business? Can I leverage this for popularity? Can I leverage this for who they know? Can I leverage this? All the, these kind of games that some people play. Humility throws that all out the window. Even Paul in this moment could, could try to leverage this and only write, you know, the rich people in, in Philippi. Only he could play favorites in this. Instead, he just says, listen, I'm... I'm a bond servant. I'm a slave. Greetings to you. Grace to you. May the Lord bless you. See the difference in that? I think sometimes we need to incorporate that, well, all the time we need to incorporate that in the way we, we go through our friendships with humility. Not thinking we're better than anybody else, but just with this transparent humility. See, friendships is where credentials don't matter. True friendships don't care how many degrees are on your wall, 
They don't care how much money's in your bank. They don't care what job you got. They don't care. Doesn't matter. Friendship is where credentials don't matter. If credentials do matter, then that friendship's never going to take the next level. It's going to always be an acquaintanceship. (laughs) I don't think that's a word, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, It's always going to be there because, oh, there's there's, there's this value, there's this kind of contest thing going on. Friendship is where credentials don't matter. It doesn't matter if uh, you've got a, you can be unequally yoked very easily in a friendship. Some people you like, you get along with, and you actually have no idea why. In, in, in what world would we two people get along with each other? Not, it doesn't matter, but we hit it off, and it works. Some of my friends in college are that way. Some guys who made the best roommates. Like, why? How? We had a guy from the hills of Kentucky. Big old, he looked like um, a, a Santa Claus in training at 21. Right, big red beard, and when we did a mission trip to Guatemala, the little kids called him Santa Claus, Santa Claus, uh, and and they would come and they would they would come and just grab his beard and and, and play with his this big I'm big hills of Kentucky, this good old boy, his roommate, no joke, looks just like a younger version of Tom Brady. We all hated him. Right, it looked just like you couldn't find a more odd couple in the. Guy from Kentucky, kind of a little bit of a slob. We love him very much, but a little bit of a slob. And 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 the other guy was just had everything in a ducks in a row and all that stuff. And they made the best roommates. Absolutely love each other. Love each other to this day. Um, and this deep, deep friendship. But in what world this these two guys? It doesn't make sense. But they personified this idea of, hey, I'm not any better than you. I'm got just this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what grades we're getting. It doesn't matter what what we have to offer. It doesn't matter what you know who brought the microwave or who brought the TV to the dorm room. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're just going to be friends. And in this moment, I think some of us, uh, maybe even in this pandemic, uh, in this time period, things are starting to matter that probably shouldn't matter. Um, our Facebook feeds are full of stuff that probably don't matter to to our friendships that need to kind of take a back seat to caring about people again. Uh, the temptation to try to win certain arguments instead of care about somebody is getting pretty strong because we get in this, this cycle of, because we haven't been in each other's living room, we haven't sat there and we haven't kind of ate nachos and made a mess and watched a game together for a long time. And so that's why we kind of want to do this because we want we want this idea of how do we bring back that community? How do we bring back our uh, mentality of, of friendships in this? Friendships is where credentials don't matter. The second thing is this. Honesty. Honesty. I thank God, verse 3, every time I remember you in all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel for the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I love the, I love the honesty of this. The first verse and the last verse really cap, capture this for me. The first one, I thank 
God for you? How do we develop friendships in our life where we can honestly say to the person sitting across the couch from us, I thank God for you. And I want to be a kind of person that when I, I'm speaking with somebody, whether it's five years from now, a month from now, 10 years from now, that someone looks at me and says, you're one of the blessings in my life. I believe that everyone, no, no matter who, who they are, what, what their gifting is, they are called to be that kind of person. How do we become a blessing to the people in our lives? The honesty in this really helps that happen. Honesty is scary. You ever have a friend you're really, really, really scared to be honest with? Right? If I say this, they're going to blow up. If I say this, I'm going to be out. If I say this, well, folks, they're not really a friend. They're an acquaintance. That's just how that works. But Paul goes on here in the last one. He says, even God can testify how I long for all of you. I love that. Like God, God knows how much. He must be beating down God's door every day praying for the Church of Philippi. Right? Church of Philippi, God, you got to bless him. You got to bless him. You got to bless him. Come on. And you know, I mean, Paul probably was a pretty annoying prayer, right? Like as intense as that guy is, like God's like, I know, Paul. I got no. I don't think God gets exasperated with our prayers. I'm just going to be theologically, He does not get get exasperated with your prayers. All right, let's just be clear. But like, God knows how much I love you. God knows that. Have you ever had a, an honest friend, someone who kind of cuts through the stuff and sees you for who you are? Because if you've you've reached a certain part in your in your friendship, they call you on your stuff. They're like, nah, it's not what's really going on. I have, uh, I have a friend who's an expert at calling you on your stuff. Sometimes that friendship gets really, really testy. Like, Quit doing it. He'll call me on my stuff even before I know it's my stuff. That's a blessing. That's beautiful. But there's a huge caveat in bringing honesty into, it, into a relationship. It's this. You have to have permission. Honesty requires permission. You have to have permission to speak it, and you also have permission to receive it. Otherwise, you're just being a jerk. Now, there's two levels to this. I can say, hey, you look nice today. Thanks, I really needed that compliment. And they actually did look nice. You know, just don't lie to them. You know, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, there's the, the, those kind of compliments or building up or, hey, man, I wouldn't wear that ever again. Go burn it. Now. Right? There's got to be some sort of permission. They're like, what are you talking about? You're wearing, you know, you know, the. But to the deeper stuff, when your marriage isn't going well and saying, hey, I, you know, I'm complaining about my marriage and blah, 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 blah. Well, you spend all your time doing this. You think maybe that's the problem in your marriage? You spend a lot of money with this. You know you were checking out that person a little bit too much. Ow. Hurtful? Yes. But true and needed. But that requires permission to actually even receive it. You know, um, sometimes we're real easily to say um, things to people and it comes out before we even have uh, permission. It's really easy to say, uh, I'm sorry, but no, that's not permission. You just said whatever you wanted to say. Right? That's not that's not giving permission. We just have to to work with that. And some of you have to ask, can I can I say this? Like, 
And that might hurt your relationship. It might take a couple weeks to get over. If you mull it over, you pray through it. If this person really has your best interests at heart, and you know in your heart you have the best interests in, uh, in, of them in your heart, then this permission, it, it just builds a deeper and deeper friendship. You can look at each other and go, yeah, he's going to be there. She's going to be there for me through whatever we go through. doesn't mean you really want to see their face for a little bit. Honesty requires permission. The last one is humor. Not so much the biblical backing for this, <laughs> but it fits under the honesty because humor requires trust. Humor requires trust. Can you laugh at me? And can I laugh at you? I've had people in my life where I thought, like, I could crack a joke. Then I cracked the joke. Found out I shouldn't have cracked the joke. That's probably a, just a Jared problem. But, uh, but yeah, you do that, and you're like, oh, we're going to be offended now. We're not on that level. Whoops-a-daisy. Uh, right? That's probably where I spend most of my time apologizing, but that's just how I'm wired, okay? But you, 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 humor requires this trust. Like, I, you can laugh at me, and I can laugh at you. And through that, we can kind of poke each other, and we can kind of make fun of some stuff, and we can kind of work through some things. But when we trust each other in that kind of, kind of light, then, then the, the relationship's deeper and deeper and deeper. And this is my prayer, verse 9, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to sorry, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ, Jesus Christ, to the glory and the praise of God. Humor answers this question. Am I safe with you? Because if I can make fun of you, and we're still friends, and you can make fun of me, am I safe with you? Can I tell you something? Can I do, be myself? Can I truly be me, and you laugh at it, and we still be friends? That's what humor, humor does. If I trip and fall flat on my face right now, will you still be my friend? Because there's times in junior high, where that happens, and that relationship's done. There's times when you're 40 years old, and that happens, and that relationship's done. I thought we'd move past that, but it doesn't really feel like you do, <laughs> right? But humor kind of says, hey, am I, am I safe with you? I think it's a question we need to answer, and we need to be prepared for as we develop friendships. Can I be truly honest with you? Can I have fun with you? Do I have to be in some sort of race of who's better, who's, who's got more, who's got these things with you, or can I just be me with humility? Paul concludes with honoring these people with a blessing. He says, I want you to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. That he is praying for them. I think that's beautiful. How many times, like, I know we pray for our families, but do we pray for our friends? Do we lift them up? Do we pray for their success? Do we even think about praying for them? And Paul, here he is in jail. He doesn't know where his next meal's coming from. And he is so concerned with 
how do I pray for these people and this beautiful relationship that is there? When that happens, we give a gift to our friends. When we pray, when, when they know they're praying for us, when we pray for their marriages, when we pray for their job situations, we pray for their health, we pray for their mental health, we pray for um, how they parent. Right? I know you've... <laughs> I, I, one of the kids I coach on a baseball team right now, you guys thought we were going to go through a whole message without hitting baseball. You were wrong. Uh, yeah, one of the kids I coach on a baseball team, they just got twin uh, little siblings. Um, so they're basically, they're, they're even farther apart than, than Bo and Kendall and Lucy. So they're 11 years apart. And it's twins. And I don't know this family that well yet. But I just walked over to their car and said, hey, you got twins? They're like, yeah. Said, do you know Bowen's a twin? No. How'd you do it? <laughs> <laughs> like you can tell, I can tell like what mom has twins. There's a different level of eye strain going on, right? Mom, new moms, it's tough. We had one too. I understand that's tough. You got twins. It's just a, what's going on? <laughs> and it's just a whole, a whole different thing. And, um, and say, Hey, so, okay. You know, they, they survived. Obviously made it to 11. Haven't made it through the teenage years yet. Don't know if that's going to happen. But uh, we made it We made it through toddler time. Um, and just kind of you instantly join in on a kind of fraternity of that. But also to start praying for them. This is tough. It's tough. Kind of joining into that. That's such a huge blessing. And it starts to develop the relationship. It starts to work through that. People that, if you, if you get a hint of of marriage uh, friction. Start praying for your friends' marriages. Don't start praying when they when they come to you and say, "Man, I, don't, I think we're getting a divorce. We're separating." That's too late. To, well, God can still do miracles, but we sh- you saw the signs three years ago. Start praying for them then. Start praying for your for your friends who have um, you know preteen kids because when those home home start to hit, you're like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I used to know that kid. I don't know him right now. Oh, I know him again. And it happened in five minutes. Start praying for your, your friends who, who are starting to be empty nesters. They're trying to figure out life again. Start praying for those marriages. This authenticity, authenticity with humility and honesty, joining in life together. That doesn't require all the things we're used to, being able to go out to dinner or being in each other's living rooms. We can do that without we can do that on the phone. We can do that in a Zoom. We can do that wherever you want to do that. But we need to recapture that and, and enter into each other's living rooms, into each other's spaces to say, I love you and I care about you, and you're not losing me in this time. Let's be those kind of people. Let's develop those kind of friends. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this, this moment. Thank you for this opportunity to be the kind of people that you are calling us to be, to be the, the hands and feet of Christ, to be the listening ear, to be deep spiritual friends to each other. <clears throat> Maybe we're listening to this message and we're going, I don't even know what it looks like to have that kind of deep friend. Lord, that we would have a reputation as a church to be a place of friendship that's accepting with humility and honesty, and humor. Lord, help us cultivate these attributes in our life. We want to be your people in whatever situation we find ourselves in. 
whether that's in a pandemic or whether that's in a recession, whether that's in the best of times, whether that's in the worst of times, we want to be your people, whether we're in jail or whether we're not in jail. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.